Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. In 1942, in the cold desert of a small border town in Texas, a group of kind are kidnapped and mass embraced by members of the fanatical sect, the Sabbat. Out of this group, only a handful survived, and through rituals and mentorship, they became the pack known as the Pale Riders. Representing the Sword of Cain, they are wielded by a mentor to cut deep wounds within the heartland of Mexico to the enemies of the Sabbat. Wars on Fire is a vampire the masquerade Sabbat chronicle that follows the Pale Riders pack that consists of Mitch, a Lazamba played by Adam, Coyote, a Ravenous anti-tribute played by Alex, Eldrick, a Caitiff played by David, Jasper, a Bruja anti-tribute played by Joaquin, Cora, a Shimizi played by Slavic, and Richard, a Venture anti-tribute played by Tillman. If you'd like to contact us, you can find us on Twitter at twin underscore cities underscore VTM or on Facebook at Twin Cities by Night. We hope you enjoy. I'm going to do a quick recap of the combat that happened at the mansion. I like to do recaps of combat because I feel while the combat is actually going on in game, it's kind of hard to get the feel down. But basically what had happened is the Pale Rider pack had came in two vehicles. Uh, one vehicle carried Jasper, Cora, and Mitchell. And the other one was being driven by Richard and had Coyote uh, sitting in the back. They stop about like a half mile away, kind of hide off on the side of the desert. And while they're doing that, they see a car come shooting out of a garage door that opened up and that was closed behind it that was taken off. What looked like towards the direction of Juarez because that was the road that the group had came up on. May, probably most likely due to reaction, what had just happened at the Kentucky Club uh, when Jasper gave his speech. He, the group kind of splits when they get up to this house with Jasper and Coyote, the odd couple, kind of going along the left side while Mitch, Cora, and Richard come along the front. Jasper and Coyote see this like window that a small window that looks definitely like uh, probably like I would say four feet long, two to three foot wide, basically like above a bath, you know, a bathroom window and Coyote props Jasper up and he's able to slide in there, like prop it open. And he actually like goes like kind of head first and uses hands and his potents that he has to kind of like guide his body along. And then gently, like when he's able to free a leg, like kind of puts it down and he's able to maneuver into this, tub without without like making a huge ruckus and everything like that he uh comes around goes out of the bathroom into this master bedroom and then sees like in front of him there's like a patio glass sliding door for what it looks like if someone who lived in this if it would have been immortal they could wake up in the morning and like slide this glass door and go out on this patio and look at the glory that is before them but instead, he sees Coyote, who had propped himself up and jumped out there, standingly and patiently looking to be let in. So Jasper unlocks it and slides it open. The other group, they creep around the front, and Richard is kind of on edge. He, he decides to use his heightened senses uh, to see if he can notice anything differently with the Cora giving him that advice. And he's, he's looking through the window, and he can kind of see more so than if he would have saw using his normal senses, but shadows flickering in his dining room area, which to him and using his heightened senses, he could tell was fire that was coming from like a fireplace. He even felt like when he was touching on the window looking in, he could feel the warmth 
of like the fire, which normally he wouldn't have felt before, but with his heightened senses, he could kind of feeling it tingling and going through his, his fingertips, his dead skin there. Mitch is silently creeps along and goes to this uh, screen porch and he taps into this instinct that he hadn't felt since like World War One. You know, he felt like a youth again and he's like creeping up there and he has this bayonet that he like kind of holds with them from World War One and he's like using it to slide the handle and see if anything's locked and he sees that there is give to it so he's able to get into the screen door and he goes along this porch and he comes upon a door uh, a thick oak door that has like you know like a kind of a little glass pane that's on the top there he tries to open it and he's unable to open it and this is actually kind of frustrating for the group because they look at each other and they realize that they don't have the ability to go ahead to, to go ahead and pick the lock going back to coyote and jasper at this point they are slowly creeping out of the bedroom into this hallway and they're walking silently like kicking into this instinctual predatory nature especially coyote who has done this numerous times to to fill the vice of his which is to take a life uh he actually uh did this with richard not not the day prior the night prior when they were trying to build the bond before the valdery and uh or after the valdery and they were they, their bond was built and they were going there experiencing what coyote finds to be enjoyable so as they are creeping along the hallway mitch is like getting frustrated so he takes this bayonet and he kind of jimmies it into where the lock would be at the door you know like the next to the lock on the door like trying to see if he can pop the locked hinge as he's trying to do that coyote and them are still creeping along the hallway coyote and jasper and they come a place upon this living room that's on the left and it kind of like they both are looking around the corner and they see like this huge fireplace that has like this roaring fire going on this huge turkish style rug that is on the floor normally it's it's the floor is 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 is, has tile like you know this marble tile all across it or it looks kind of like it could be marble a different type of fancy stone but this huge turkish rug is is over it and and on this turkish turkish rug is this is a really nice like couch that you know that has like wooden a wooden base but has like kind of like maroon cushions with like gold threaded patterns throughout the cushion and you see that there are these greek statues like four of them and they're huge they're like about six seven feet tall they look older than you know this probably is built you know way older than this house that was built and between each statue are these like rounded pane windows you know like kind of like uh, uh look like a like an egg shape but at the bottom it's, it's straight you know what i mean it has like thin wood frame that cuts across it between each of these greek statues and in the corner of these walls and along the top of the walls they have like vines like like ivy that kind of has been growing indoors you know what i mean that comes from pots that hang in the corner that kind of growing along so it has this warm feeling to it as they sit there looking all of a sudden they just hear this crack like and they and they look and they kind of see like the door that is on the right that goes past this little foyer it just like shakes a little bit and that's actually Mitch out there like with this Jimmy trying to be gentle with it but instead just like takes this like one foot by like three inch like hunk of the door out while he's trying to pop the door as Coyote looks and he turns around to look back in the living room all of a sudden he sees like one of those statues are just like coming at him. And he's like, oh, shit. And it ripped through the corner of the wall. Like, like Coyote is looking. And he's like, fuck, fuck. Like, it takes him a moment to, like, to, 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 to register what exactly is going on in his head. Because he just sees this thing coming, flying at him. He's never seen anything like this before. And he turns around. He kind of knocks back Jasper a little bit with his huge body as he dodges. And the statue just rips through the corner of 
that he was around doesn't hit him, but just like goes through it and then lodges itself on the opposite side of the wall, drywall and dust and just like, you know, from the dirt, from the desert that like just naturally collects in these places, but also from the material that the walls made just like just, you know, blows across Coyote's face and Jasper's kind of sitting there. He kind of smells a little bit of, you know, tastes a little bit in his mouth from it, from coming back, but they aren't harmed by it at all. Coyote's like, shit. And he sees that and he's like, fuck this. And he starts running towards the door that, that, that the sound came from trying to get away from whatever's throwing that. And as he's running by, he looks and he sees this figure that's like crouched next to one of the statues. And it takes him a moment. He's trying to register what it what it is but it looks it's 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 a naked figure what could be a male and it has like this gray tinge to it but it's crouched and it looks like almost like it's made of stone and itself except for the fact that like he sees these like almost like south american tribal like tattoos that are covering its chest from what he can make out and part of its neck but then he looks at the face of the creature and the face has like this feline almost tinged to it where it's like he sees like the body and, and the hair which i haven't got to yet it's dark but the eyes though the eyes is what really sticks out the most because it's these yellow feral looking almost looks like cougar eyes that are are staring at him and he sees that like the face is just like like it's just it's like the beast is consuming him at this moment that he's losing himself to the beast and he sees like the face the mouth like these huge fangs are coming out and it looks like it's spread wider than normal and he sees the hair which is this really thick and it almost looks like looks like oil in a way that that comes down from the top it's like shaved on the sides and it comes from the top back over like in a ponytail but the thing that freaks him out the most is that he sees that the creature has his hand lodged into a statue not like it's grabbing it but literally like the fingers are just broken into the statue it's gripping it almost like someone would grip a bowling ball in a way and it's looking at him like it's about to throw uh this statue at him clearly realizes this and and at the moment the creature hucks another one of these huge lumbering statues that no mortal man not even coyote thinks he could pick up and do this just comes flying at him and it's this moment of like oh shit he's like running for the door and he realizes like 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 when he has three feet left to make it to the door that he is not going to make it and he's just wham it like hits him the head of the statue hits him on the side and just like crushes him into the wall and he's sitting there and for a second he's like like all this dust all this and jasper's like what the fuck and just sees like his pack mate just get like normally would assume that he was pulverized after something like this and for a second he sees like coyote is like feeling himself for a second and just covered all in like this white like like i said drywall and dust and he's like and you see him chuckle a little bit when he realizes that he's not harmed at all from what was just lodged at him like he's almost surprised like he wasn't harmed jasper at this point it's like fuck this and turns around and runs you know to see the source because he jasper didn't actually see the creature he just saw his you know what i mean pack mate run and then you just have boom get hit by the statue so jasper turns around and runs but immediately after jasper runs in the room mitch who's outside who hears this commotion just like fuck this and kicks the door down and sees you know what is going on before him richard walks through the door though and this is like almost the eerie part rich walks through the door past mitch aims his weapon which is a, a 1911 pistol that he had fires with like a confidence that, that, that he never knew he, and he's never been in this position before, I assume. Right. Cause Richard never probably fired a weapon at anyone in real life before. I would assume yeah, like you probably 
were just making moonshine and never had a fire weapon at anyone in his life. But he walked in and fired his weapon. And the sound of the the sound of the gunshot breaks through even louder, at least to the three that were outside the door, than the, the sound of like Coyote getting crushed in the wall. Like he just fires, boom. And like Mitch hears this ringing the gunshot go off right next to his ears. Cora hears it. You smell the the gunpowder that's in the air, like that 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 sound. Mitch, you're really like if your heart was beating right now, your your heart rate would be up to almost those days that you're in the trenches there. But the round hits this creature. You see this, you know, when you fire and you shoot it, and you see that it hits and it just bounces to the ground. And you see that, like, doesn't even notice you, Richard, when you shoot it because it's so focused at this moment at Jasper, who's standing before him. But Cora, at this point, seeing the example that her pack mate set, pulls her rifle and again fires. This time is not as deafening as that first shot was because your ears are still ringing a little bit from the, from the first shot from Richard. But she actually hits the creature that's standing before Jasper and like a chunk of its like pectoral muscle just like shoots off. But instead of like a blood spray that you normally would see, like, you know, that would shatter. I mean, that first was initial one, but then you see the blood just slowly is dripping out of it. Like not like a human would at all, where a normal human would just be spraying blood out onto the ground. The creature winces at pain with the, what had happened. And when out of reaction, you see his claws come out of its fingers. And as he looks at Jasper, and he just swipes across Jasper, and it goes from his shoulder to his hip. And it leaves like these, like Jasper at first, it's almost like a paper cut for anyone who's experienced a paper cut. Like that brief millisecond where you're like, this is going to hurt. Like after it happens, because you know you paper cut yourself, you know that sensation. And then you're like, oh shit, it fucking stings in a way that happens, but magnify that by a thousand. You feel this like scratching that comes across Jasper and in your mind, your register, this hurts, but this is about to get worse. And you just know instinctively and you feel like you smell almost like burnt flesh and you're looking down at your skin as you got clawed and you're expecting to see blood well out and instead you see almost like your skin turning black it's not like you're on fire but it's almost like your skin's decaying but it smells like it's being cooked as it came across like that and you're like freaking out because you've never have experienced anything like this since you've been undead but you you step back and with a look of determination thinking in your head you, you don't you don't flee you don't let this pain and this fear overtake you mitch after seeing one of his pack mates being attacked and someone who by the way has a high baldery for because the whole damn pack seems to love Mr. Jasper. And he sees this damage that occurred that he just experienced minutely when, when you guys were at the black rooster digs deep and swings his rifle around and fires at the creature. But he realizes in horror that the, that the same thing that happened to Richard, the rounds are just hitting his body and falling off onto the ground. Coyote seeing, excuse me, seeing his pack mates engage the elder just decides to rush. him. so he gets up and he just starts rushing at this creature and tries to grab onto one of his arms and tries to like pull him down. But he's like, due to the creature's strength, he can't get the creature down, but he's like partially immobilizes it. Jasper sees this and gets this like shit and instinctively just tries to go and grab the creature too. Just like Coyote is at the time realizing that these claws are, 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 are deadly. And, and then you see like Richard and you see Mitch, they, they try to, uh, they try to come across, especially Richard because of his love for Coyote. And he sees that the bravery that Coyote is showing here rushes forward. And like you see, it's four of them and Cora just slowly as she sees her pack mates rushing forward, slings her rifle over her shoulder, pulls out her pistol 
and digs deep into that inner strength that she had to survive an abusive husband, survive kids who didn't love her, survive the death of her one kid that did love her and fires twice. And the first time it hits the creature's forehead and you just see like, like it causes its intention and you're sitting of Jasper looking, you see his round go boom and hit it. Right. You feel the impact almost of it while you're standing because your face is close to his and you're looking up at his, at his head and you see that rip this hole through his head and you can see like, you're like, is that his brain? But that doesn't look like a normal brain because like you're with your medical background and everything like that, what you would see to be like a gray, healthy, you know what I mean? You see this brain almost looks like dried in a way and, and, and instead of having like blood vessels that are pumping regular blood, you just see it almost looks like it's um been frozen in a way and the blood in there has been frozen. And then as you're looking, what the hell? You see another, you're like directly looking at the skull and then you see just a Bam! And you like kind of feel the impact at your head, and you see that like it causes more damage. You see the 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 brain matter inside of it just like rips apart, right? And you see the like in the back of the head, you just see like a little like it looks like a when the M80 goes off in a mailbox, you know, and it just like poof, causes like the metal to like to bubble out. You see that in the creature's head. But as you're grabbing its arm, and everyone's grabbing its arm, they feel like a like it gets rigid all of a sudden, and you're like, what? And then for a second, you're like holding its arm, and then you just kind of like let go and you see the creature like in one almost like a like a tree just falls back and falls on the ground and that is the combat that occurred i'm not going to go over what happened after that because you guys you know we already where we left off you guys were with ilanipi so we'll start the scene there i will be by the way playing coyote since alex can't make it tonight but you guys are standing there by your cars uh you just said ilanipi who was uh basically calling for help who had like is missing one of his arms his skull looks bashed in he's missing his eyes his hair is singed off and looks like he's taking some burns but he smells like like decay like literally smells like decay like rancid meat that's been left out and maggoty almost like a smell that you're very familiar with mitch from smelling in the trenches scenes on you guys go ahead yeah i just gave him blood right yeah, you gave him five uh, points of uh, blood. Yes, you did. Six, actually, I think. Six, okay. Yeah, definitely gave him six. We must leave here. Go back to your nest. And he's, like, trying to talk. And you can, like, hear his voice is getting a little better from the blood. You know what I mean? That you gave him. Uh, should we take you with with us, my We're lord? not leaving him. We're not leaving him. Of course we're, we're not leaving him to this desert. Pick him up. Put him in the Royce. Let's go. As you guys lift him up and put him in the royce, you see Coyote actually is like the one who lifts him up and everything like that. And Coyote looks at with the with the creature over his shoulder that he has that's torpored, and he looks at you and he's like, "He comes with me, or do you want him in the car too?" He's looking at you, Mitch, asking that. Put him in the royce. Yes. And he like kind of see pops it open. He throws the creature in there and he like closes the door and he like lights his cigar and he like pats you on the back, Mitch, and he jumps in the back of the pickup truck that you're driving. Richard, you feel the springs kind of, you know what I mean, as he gets in the back there, and you guys take off. Uh, as you guys are driving, who's in the back with Ilanipi? Because I know who's in the who's driving. Mitch is driving, or or who, which, who's driving? Tell me who's driving and where each Mitch of you drive. Driving. Mitch will drive. Where I are could, you sitting? Cora could be there. I think I'll be in the truck with the uh, Coyote, just driving the pickup. Yeah, Richard's driving. You can sit shotgun then if you want, or sit in the back. It's your call. You guys are burning down the hallway, and as you're looking. Cora at Ilanipi, you're just like the smell is like just filling up the car. Like it really, you know what I mean? It's, this isn't anything that you guys have, have ever seen before. And you see like he, he keeps closing his eyes and opening his eyes and you can see like as you're sitting there, Cora, you're looking at him and you see 
like for a second, you're like, is is is, is the skull moving a little bit? And you'll like look at the highway while Mitch is driving, and then you'll look back at Ilanipi, and you'll be like, oh wow, looks like a little. He's not so bashed in on his head there a little bit. And you'll look away, and then you'll look back, and it's almost like, like. Is he healing? You know what I mean? You've never seen anything quite like heal from damage like that as he's sitting there with his eyes closed. How are you driving right now, uh, you two? Like, how are you driving, Mitch? Mitch is driving very carefully. What about you, uh, uh, Richard? Yeah, me too. I'm probably going to... Um, I'm calling out to Jasper. Jasper, um, please keep an eye uh, uh, on the sides of the roads. I'm, I'm not feeling safe right now. This. You and me both, brother. As he, as he Jasper, as he sort of like just rubs at the at his chest where like the deep cut is. Yeah, and you see that cut too, Richard. Definitely, like it's uh it's uh something that you've never quite witnessed uh, yourself before. So, uh, you guys, after driving like forty five minutes, you guys get to what you guys have been calling your haven, your nest, which is that which we've explained before for people, but is that abandoned formal vacation area? Uh, scenes on you guys. Okay, so we. We have faced betrayal, my brothers and sisters. This cannot go unpunished. I think the problem is that the betrayers know the location of our haven. Yes, that's this right. Very true. That could be quite the problem. I do not know if we can... Jasper, Richard, why don't you guys go inside and check out the haven and make sure it's safe? Cor and I'll stay out here with Ilanipe and make sure he stays in one piece. All right, of course. Right. But... You guys go into the building. You walk in. What uh, time is it, by the way? I would say it's about like two, three a.m. right now. You, as they go walking in, uh, you hear uh, Ilanipe from the back seat, and he's like, "Mitchell," as you guys are outside talking. Yes, Ilanipe. I, I need blood. I need. I need blah, blah. I need more blood. Take me out of here, kidding me. You don't worry. Your haven is okay. They have fled. I must talk to you first. You don't have much time. You need to find them. Very well. Mitch will Get- pick him up with his potent. <laughs> He'll follow the other two into the haven. Do we still have any experiments set up that are alive still? Boss, let me see Coyote taking a dragon's cigar. I'll go get a body. You need a couple of bodies? I'm the man to get them. <laughs> I could use some blood. I'm quite hungry as well. He's like, and he looks at you, Mitch, like he's waiting for permission. Get them carefully. I'll make sure I use this late discipline you talk about. And he like throws the cigar down on the floor and stomps it out with his big foot and walks out the door. Mm-hmm. As you guys have Ilanipi, he's like, set me down. And he, he's like, any motions to like one of the chairs there? I can, I can, I can sit. I'll set him down on one of the chairs. It's like those, those fucking bastards. Looks at you guys, he's like, he's like, those bastards, they fucking betrayed us. I knew something was off with them. I didn't feel right around them. I told that to Vi- Lord Vidar, and he told me that I was, he told me I was being oversensitive and that I was being paranoid. Those fucking son of a bitches. And you see him like spit at the ground, and he's like, I was watching you guys. I was patrolling, making sure that that sheriff wouldn't come back, and if he did that, I would stop him and they fucking t- they 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 thought they could overcome me. He's like, I don't think they expected me to be the fight that I was. This fucking idiots. I'm sitting there and I'm fighting them. I'm doing okay until the 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 their pack priest, the the tall the tall black one. 
he started he started speaking. I thought it was speaking. I don't know. Like I I had already downed one of them, and and the other one was starting to look scared. And he he he, he the the priest started. I thought he was talking, but he started sounding like insects more than anything else. It's hard to explain it. I, I'm still trying to wrap my head around what I saw. It sounded like a, a swarm, like a swarm of flies was coming from his mouth. They, these words, they started, they, they started hurting me. They started like, I felt like I couldn't control my, my, I felt like, like, I felt like my, my hands started shaking and I felt like I was coming apart. And I tried to turn away. I tried to turn away because it was starting to, to scare me. But I, I, I knew that like these, if they betrayed me, that Vidar was maybe in trouble too. So I used all my might and I turned around and I saw where this priest of theirs stood that he was surrounded at the, at, the, at his very feet and behind him, he was being embraced and caressed by things I've never witnessed before by they look to be human or, 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 or the same form and shape of us, but they were completely blacker than anything I've ever seen. Even the Lord's very, the Lord's very powers and shadows that he controls. And they, they were, they were copulating and they were, they were hugging this, this priest's legs. And even a couple of them were, were embracing him from behind. And there's these huge wings that look to be of, of pure darkness and almost like a, a bat or a, or, or, or some kind of a predator. And you see him like rubbing his head and he's like, and, and their, their eyes, they had human eyes. Their eyes looked white and human when they opened them and they all looked at me and I, and I started to feel a panic within me and I almost fled until I felt like I was on fire. I don't know where it came from. And, and, and next thing I know my clothes are, 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 are caught are, are, are inflamed and I'm on the ground and I'm fighting the panic that, 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 that usually we are stronger than. And I felt them all like kicking at me and I don't know what happened, but I knew at that very moment that I had to dig within. And just at the moment when my flesh would have caught fire, I found my inner resolve and my very gifts of Cain avoided that from happening. And I took every last ounce of will I have and I grabbed one of their members and I fled as quick as I could into the desert. And I, with my gifts that I have been given, I was able to pry information from this one. It was the, the, the female that was with them, one that is new in the blood, and thus she was not able to resist my ways of getting into her, her mind. And I, told, and I found, this is what I found. They are infernalists. They are, they are the worst. They are what Vidar has been hunting down since Vidar has picked up the Sword of Cain. And that they have been thrust on this path because of their ductus, their, 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 their priest, excuse me, has taken over the pack. Their ductus is nothing but a facade. And that they, they have kidnapped Vidar. And they have brought him to this town called Ixul. That's in, that's way south of here along the beaches. And when I heard that, a pain, I, I, I wept because I felt that it was a lost cause. But I knew though that I had given myself an opportunity to, to deceive them. So I forced my will upon her once again, and I told her to find her pack and to tell the pack that, that she destroyed me and fought me off and that you all had been destroyed and trying to stop the creature that you now have. So they are not aware now that you will be hunting after them and that 
that you will be soon on the trail, but you must you must go at the, as soon as you possibly can to find them. Prepare for how you must. But it, the land that they are taking him is much south of here. Give me an intelligence and academics difficulty six if you have that, or you can do intelligence and streetwise difficulty seven. I got one success for that. I got one success as well. I botched. One success. All right. I'm not going to go for, like, I mean, the White Wolf system cracking up. There's definitely times where botching is like a botch, but there's times like, what am I going to do? Be like, you don't know? You think it's a Canada? You know, whatever. You have no idea, Mitch, where this town is at. You others kind of have an idea that it might be in southern Mexico, way on the southern tip, if anything, kind of by, like, Guatemala almost, or Belize in that area, but you're not quite sure, you know? We'll go back to what Ilanipi said. He's like, I understand that you may have to spend the rest of the evening getting ready, and you may not be able to leave till tomorrow, but you have to find Vidar. She told me that they that they they serve a master who is down there, and the pack does. They, they plan to use Vidar for something there, and that, and that, 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 that it will involve final death. You have to save him. Do you understand? If it was not for him, you guys would not be given the gift that you guys have now. I beg of you, please. Of course, my lord. We'll do whatever we can. It is our duty as soldiers of, of the Sabbath. Does every single yes. one in the pack have the power of infernalism? Or was it just the priest? I don't know. I, 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 and you see him look, when you bring up again, like the power, like what he witnessed, you see, like he, it becomes withdrawn. He's not going out, like, and straight up saying, like, it's infernalism, because he never, I mean, like, what he fundamentally heard, saw, witnessed there. And he also, another thing that he didn't say too, or that he said too, was that once he, like, dug the inner resolve to, like, not panic when his clothing was on fire, aka he was saying fortitude worked out and kind of helped him. It burned him some, but not as much as it could back and he saw that it was just the pack priest there so whatever he saw when that was all going on in the background those figures that were like like you know what i mean almost like looking like they're trying to sexually gratify him for a second weren't there you know he says that they're saying that they're that they're infernalists because of what he was told by this girl and assuming what he saw there which he has no idea you know what i mean he's barely he's having a hard enough time putting into words what he even saw or witnessed there at the moment you know i would try to console him a bit um, say, we are the Knights of Cain. Fight the infernalism. He, he reaches for your hand for a second. You see him, he's like kind of like sitting there with his one arm and he's trying to like paw to, for you to come closer to him. Yeah, we'll do that. And you see like he grabs like the, ba the back of your head and he like brings you in closer and he, and he whispers, he's like, you are my child. I am sorry for leaving you on your own. And you see that and then he just kind of like rests his head on the side of your head there for a second. You, you three are seeing this. And then he's like, and he's like, you make me proud. And he's like, kind of like, just let, let's go to the back of your head and like sits back and he closes his eyes. And as his eyes are closed, he's like, Mitchell, take your soldier. I will wait here for when yours, when the bounty comes back. I need to rest. We will begin preparations immediately. And you see he closes his eyes and he like rests in the chair there. Go ahead, scenes on you guys. Jasper, your wound. It will heal. How many blueprints do I have to spend to start doing that or... So to heal aggravated damage, all right, a level of aggravated damage may be healed only with a full day of rest and the expenditure of five blood pool points. Wow. Through a vampire at the end of the first day rest, cure additionally aggravated health levels by spending an additional five blood pool points and one willpower point per extra mm -hmm. aggravated damage. So basically, if you spend a whole day resting, which I mean, if you sit in a car that's resting, you know what I mean? You can spend five blood pool points to heal one. 
and then you can spend a willpower point and five more blood pool points to heal multiple if you want to, or you can wait another day. So now here's some things to, before we continue, you guys have to figure out where this place is at, a route to get there. Uh, you have a uh, elder that's in Torpor in the trunk. It will take some doing, but I, I can handle this. Just, I'll just need, I'll need for rest. Mitch is gonna go have a cigarette. He needs a moment to think. You guys see Mitch head outside? Yeah, I will walk with him. What about you, Jasper and Cora? I guess what I'll do is I'll just sort of like, I need to be alone for a while. I'll go into my room, just just let the frenzy happen. Just like ah, just. Start <laughs> So, uh, would you say it's something that people could hear from outside? Because it's kind of quiet, you know what I mean? There's no one in this resort. Yeah, I'd probably just say I'm just cursing like, damned heathens, damned cursing, <laughs> corrupted, ah. You hear this freaking out going from the area that you guys know Jasper is in. You hear it outside, Mitch, as you're smoking a cigarette, and Richard, as you're walking out there, and Cora. I, what are you doing at the moment, Cora? Uh, Cora will start... Uh, looking for crosses and other religious symbols, Bibles that she can okay. find and, you know, start <laughs> stockpiling them. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> is, this, is she tapping into her old lady, like old Texan lady self? I, I take it right now. Yeah, de- definitely. Yeah. Uh, like, these guys are of the devil and, you know. Uh, so Texas granny's coming out now more than, like, the priest of the... <laughs> The Pale Rider pack. That's kind of cool. You know what I mean? She's like, I know this shit because you always have this. You also kind of have like Abrahamic uh, ties to like the ritual that you did. You know what I mean? And stuff like that. You said you used Hebrew and stuff like that. So you're adding the Texas girl Christian slant to, to being the pack priestess uh, for the Pale Riders. It's pretty cool. Richard and Mitch, you guys are outside. Go ahead. Scenes on you guys. Mitch will light a second cigarette and hand it to Richard. Thanks. What a night. Mm. Uh, yep. Uh, quick question, Chris. Um, do I know with the role I just did um, how long we will take to drive to that city? No, you don't. You just know it's in southern Mexico now. You know, if you could get your hands on a map or something to that, you know what I mean, extend, you could make out, plan out better. And there, there probably are maps in the in the resort area there. You know what I mean? That where like the front desk is or something like that. You know what I'm saying? You guys have used them before when you guys were you know, learning about Cedar Creek or, you know what I mean? Like there, there would definitely be a map of one form or another there in the, in the resort, you know? Okay. We have a long drive ahead of us. This, this needs some planning. It does. We're going to need to clean our guns, make sure we got everything squared away before we leave. How long do you reckon it'll take? Really no idea. A lot of things could go wrong. This we'll need to is a bit risky. We'll to make our uh, trip safe. Well... For starters, we probably should take um, some people with us for Ilinipi and Jasper. I don't know how, but if we don't want to stop in the middle um, of the way, I guess this I is the only way. Have to. I think we're going to have to stop on the way, but what we can do is we can toss a couple in the trunk before we head out. But that leaves us with the problem of the current document. Right. We should probably get that sorted here. Yeah, most definitely. Would you mind doing me a favor and sending Cora out? I need to talk of course. to her. Thank you. And I'll take another drag of the cigarette. Guess. Uh, I can take it with me because this is my house. Um, just walk inside and get Cora and find a um, 
collecting Bibles, I guess. Corey, you see Richard uh, walking up towards you while you're like, have a stack of Bibles. He took in a couple of crosses that were at the head of some of the beds uh, in there. Got them stacked uh, up on the front desk. You ah, think Richard. this work against the Infernalists? Well, try, can I? Can I try? So, here's the Bible. Here's a cross. Keep him close to you. And hope for the best. Because if what Elanithi yeah. said is true, we're going to need all the help we can get. Yeah, I think we only have one attack. And if that is with a cross and doesn't work, I'm not so sure if this is worth it. Well, just keep it on you. You never know. Have faith. I haven't tried that in a while, but thanks. Um, Mitch requires your attention. Cora will go outside. Mitch, say you need me? Mitch is standing by the trunk of the Royce. Yeah, got a question for you. Mm -hmm. When you drank down that fella, what did it feel like and what did it do to you? Well, like I told you, it was the best feeling I've uh, ever felt. I felt 30 years younger. How did it taste? Canterbury blood is best taste in the world. It really is. Uh, I could also feel him, his memories, like flooding my mind. I can still piece some of those things together. I was thinking of doing the same to the fellow we got in the trunk. Not sure how I feel about it. Wanted your input. What do you think? Yeah, the choice is yours, brother. But I say, if you want to, then do it. But be prepared. It requires strength. Strength of purpose. Willpower. And duly noted. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to open him up and make sure there's a piece of wood in his heart so that he ain't going to come back and cause us any problems while we're doing what we need to do. Of course. Yeah, so Cora will go and check. So Cora, you pop open the trunk and you see the figures like in the trunk. And it's like, it's a natural, like like pretty much Coyote was just like crack, cracking it in there. You know what I mean? And you see that it's like looking at you. It's, it's in Torpor, and its eyes are wide open, looking at nothing, but it's directed at you. And you see, like, like the hole where, like, your two rounds just, like, crash through it. You know what I mean? And it's rigidly, like, looking up at you at the moment. Does he have the stake in his heart? Yeah, yeah. There's a stake in his heart there, definitely. Yep. You sit there, and you stick your hands. I take it you're using Fleshcraft to, to, to ensure. Yeah, 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 definitely. You see Cora Mitch just like her hands like slowly like like just like slide into there and it's almost like gut wrenching a little bit for you, I would assume. I don't know, but you just see like all of a sudden you're cracking and you see like her hands come out and you see like it looks like a part of her his bones while they're cracking there elongating a little bit. And it's opening up and you see her like put her other heart in there and you see her fingers kinda like extend a little bit. And you're feeling core of the wood that you're, 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 it's like you're sliding your fingers along the stake, sliding. You can feel the wood and then you feel the, the heart and you're like, oh yeah, it's in there. And you can kind of feel it around. And then you just kind of move your hands out. And you see, like, it looks like almost like someone took like glue, you know, Elmer or like the, the glue that people used to use, the clear glue, you know what I'm saying? That you used to use in grade school that you take the brush out of the top and it would just like kind of like, Gloop along like that. You see her hand like that, like like she put her hand in something like that and took it out, and it's like sticking out. So here's the steak, and now there's like some flesh that's oddly just like looks like it's um almost like icicles how they're formed that's just sticking out, and she just sees it like that. So there you go. Scenes on you guys. Okay. Is it in there good? 
Let's go. Let's go. All right. We'll keep him, I guess, in the trunk for now. He's coming on the trip with us. We'll just need to make sure he don't get out. I don't want to leave him behind. I have to make sure that they don't use him against us, though. Better to... Yeah. Then I'm thinking about that, to happen. Yeah, I'm thinking either me or Coyote is going to be eating this fucker before the end of the night. All right, the sound of Coyote, the name, you guys look up and you see this ember coming from the dark, darkness of the desert again and you hear crunching of boots and you see this lumbering figure come and he's kind of like, you see him dragging like these two dudes with his arm and then he just like stop, puts it back in his mouth grabs the dude again and starts just dragging him out of the desert and you see like these like two scrawny malnourished hobo looking guys and then he just walks up and he's like you're looking boss, that's yours that's not mine boss and he takes these, he's like I'm going to give these to Elenipi is that what you want boss? Please do and he like nods to you and he Can walks. I have a sip first? I want to make sure I'm not too cranky in the morning. I don't know Spanish for grandma like he was saying, but you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and he like, he like gently holds the neck of it towards up to you. Yeah, so I guess I'll take take those six blood points back or something. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, he's like looking at you like, oh, that's more than a sip, but he's like, okay, and he's like, He's like, you deserve I mean, it. I'm at three blood points, so. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. He's like, you deserved that, Abuela. He's like, you saved us. Such a nice boy, Coyote. And he, like, smiles and he, like, pats her head with his big paw, you know what I mean? And then he, like, turns around and he walks out and he walks into the building. And for a second, you know, you wait there and then you see the door open up and he's like, hey, boss, Elenipi wants me to stay and watch him till he's healed. Jasper, you're uh, in your room. You just got done freaking out. Uh, what are you doing next? Okay, now that Jasper's started to calm down from his well-deserved well frenzy, he basically is yeah. like, <sighs> okay, now I have to start fixing this. And they start, and I, do I, is it like, is the five bubble points all at once, or is it like sort of over time? Uh, all at once, but it's after, yeah, all at once, but it has to be during a day's rest. So I would say you would be able to do it like tomorrow night. You know what I mean? Okay. So yeah, you know what I'm saying? I have to deal with this just from tomorrow night, tomorrow night. Hello folks. Have you ever wished you could have an easy way to find gameplay videos and podcasts or just media in general that deals with your favorite white wolf role-playing games? Or have you ever wished you could find a forum to share gameplay that you have recorded? One which wouldn't be drowned out by random posts and discussion so that your media could get the attention you want? Well, we have the answer for you in a Facebook group we run called Weight Wolf RPGs Gameplay and Media. The group is specifically ran with the sole intent of it being a one-stop shop for people to view or share media involving the games we all love. We take thorough steps to ensure the page does not become cluttered and is easy to traverse. We are currently over 1,000 members strong, and we are continuing to rapidly grow with new media being shared every day. Stop on by. We hope to see you there. High Level Games the industry's first choice in taking your games to the next level. We are a podcast blog and new media network at highlevelgames.ca. 
We have blog posts about all of your favorite games going up five days a week and a podcasting network with actual plays and shows that discuss role-playing games with more rolling out all the time. We are on iTunes, Twitch, and YouTube. Find out more information at highlevelgames.ca, a site that certainly isn't controlled by a shadowy board of directors of otherworldly origin. That's highlevelgames.ca. Please, help. They're coming. (laughs) The mission seems simple enough, don't they always? Simple sweep and flush out operation. We loaded them up in a hazmat tanker in Montreal and shipped them to a downtown warehouse in the Valley of the Sun. It would have been in and out in a few nights. Well, we wouldn't be telling the story if it all went as planned, would we? I go ahead and uh, I pop quiet in. Alright, yeah, I'm gonna run at him and do a sweet spin kick and knock his head off. We're waiting to see whether or not the abomination kills us. Shufflehead Chronicles is available on the Critical Hints feed. Search for Critical Hints in iTunes, Google Play, or any other podcatcher. I, I, I don't think this is how, no. The Los Angeles metropolitan area is constantly growing and changing. The central district is full of new buildings. The Hollywood and Wilshire districts, once far from downtown, now are part of a which spreads past Beverly Hills and out to the ocean. But why is all this going on in Los Angeles? Why is Los Angeles an exploding city? Neon Masquerade The Demon's Mirror Thirteen Candles Three chronicles running through the undead veins of the City of Angels. The Esoteric Order of Role Players Actual Play Podcast invites you to drink deeply. Go to eorpodcast.com and search the duets tag to find out more. really sucked, didn't it? It could have done with higher stakes. It's enough to drive you batty. 
Okay, ghosts and ghouls, till next time, this is Mistress Black reminding you to always wash your necks. You never know when a guest will drop in for a bite. Next week's feature picture will be Blood Feast, Friday at midnight, as always. This is KTLA, Channel 5, Tribune Broadcasting in Los Angeles. Welcome to the KTLA Late Night News Update. Our top story tonight, fire at Beverly Hills Estate, leaves the mansion in ruins and the owner missing. Firefighters contain the blaze, which is not <laughs> LAPD police detectives are asking for information in the suspected disappearance of former L.A. soap opera star Aaron Evans. Evans, 24, last seen working at a 7-Eleven in Glendale. <laughs> The year is 1989, and Aaron Evans is in way over his head. Neon Masquerade is a vampire 20th anniversary duet chronicle that gets under the skin of kindred unlife in the anarch-free states. The Esoteric Order of Role Players Actual Play Podcast invites you to join us on this journey into the bloody heart of Los Angeles. Go to eorpodcast.com and search the Neon Masquerade tag to find out more. Hi guys, I wanted to let you know about my YouTube channel, the video journals of Mike Bailey. Mike Bailey is a character I play in a live-action vampire game called New England Nightmares, which uses the new Finite Studio rules for Mind's Eye Theatre. The Chronicle's set in the city of New Haven, Connecticut, and we run on the third Saturday of every month in Southington, Connecticut. Most of the credit for the stories told in my journals comes from the plots developed by the amazing storytellers who run my game. So the videos on my channel are basically an in-character video logs of the newly sired Ventru Mike Bailey. They follow him from his days as a naive mortal, to his violent embrace during the Anarch Revolt in the city of London, and on to his arrival on the shores of New Haven. The journals show Mike trying to come to terms with his kindred nature, his powerful but impure blood, and his attempts to hide his past from other members of the court of Prince Lucius. They put out updates every two weeks, and I love feedback and questions, so check out my channel, subscribe, and leave me a comment.